Friday episode and asking the question, a very serious question, who has the worst dismemberment? Oh. or Jamie? <laughs> Who's dismemberment? You know, in a show where dismemberment, Micah's right, happens so regularly as this, at least as of late. Can we really rank the dismemberment? Can we rank who, who's, whose junk gets chopped off? Stuff gets... Junk is the wrong term. Actually, it's a little too correct and uncomfortably so. But whose stuff gets cut off? Which is worse? Which is better? And living with it, who's, get, who's worse off? And that is the question that is asked to us by a very special person who emailed us earlier in this week. Isn't that right, Micah? Her name is Melissa. Okay. And she did uh, send us an email, which you all can do at contact at gameofowns.com. And uh, she had this to say, Jamie's hand or Theon's manhood? I know your first reaction is the manhood, but think <laughs> about it. Jamie needs his right hand for his career, also protection in everyday things, cutting meat, etc. Jamie's swordsmanship was his fame. He was legendary for his skills. Theon needs his manhood for obvious reasons, although most of them recreational. Theon's manhood was his fame. He was legendary for his whoring. <laughs> Not as legendary as Tyrion, though. What a legacy. <laughs> I think the way Theon lost his was much more brutal, no question. But I'm wondering long term, assuming Theon lives, who will have a harder, no pun intended, uh, oh time. God! That was not in the email. That was Micah no, reading. That was not the email. Uh, okay, oh, yeah. Melissa's not it's a person. Not like Theon. Uh, <laughs> who will have a harder time adapting? Thanks. I love your podcast. They always point out things I missed or give me a different perspective. See, the thing about this, obviously, is that I think for most people, obviously, Theon's loss would be worse because whereas <laughs> you lose a hand, hey, you have another one. You. Do not have another you-know-what. But, I mean, she makes a good point, Melissa, when she says that for Jamie mm-hmm. Lannister, losing his hand is like losing his identity. And so in that sense, the hand, the right hand, is the worst thing that well, Jamie could possibly lose. But I would say, I mean, you guys probably know this more than I do, but I would say that for most people, it would probably be that other thing. Well... Well, I mean, I think that ha- losing that has a lot more to do with your identity almost than losing your hand. But when protection comes involved... Well, for Jamie, um, it's different. You know, like Jamie and his... Yeah, Jamie and his swordsmanship. See, I don't know why... And, and it could be because we recorded so late on Sunday evening why we wouldn't necessarily have made this comparison. I think it's brilliant. Um, you know, Theon losing his manhood uh, very viciously, very violently, that is his livelihood. But is as Melissa really? points out, yes, yes, it absolutely <laughs> that is. That just felt a little forced to me. Like we saw him with one whore. Okay, maybe two. And we his saw sister. him with, and he had that whole relationship with Roz as well. Um, Osha. Oh, oh, yeah. True. Well, on the boat, I'm on adding, the boat, on the way to the Iron Islands, right? Yeah, with the that whore was... who looks like Gilly. So I don't know if they actually recast her. But <laughs> did anyone else notice that? This we won't spend yeah, too much time on it. Okay. Right. Anyway. But look, that was Theon's livelihood. That was absolutely his. If if you had to pick, well, just what the boy, I guess we're calling to him as, asked Theon, isn't this the one item of yourself that you cherish the most? And it it very much is. Anybody who knows Theon knows that. Theon's not really good at anything. This is what we're seeing. 
He gets hit over the head with a bugle and falls to the floor because he can't defend himself. He's useless, except for occasionally this this fame that has slowly accrued around his his junk. And I mean, you guys can help me out because you've read the books, you know this a little bit more. But just what I gather from the show and from his character, I think it's extremely important to him. But this emailer, Melissa, rightly points out that Jamie's hand is almost just as important to, as, to him. And in fact, it may be more important because in terms of survival, in this kind of world, you need your sword hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'd also add that I think Theon is a relatively good archer. I think that's pointed out in a couple of episodes, particularly where he saves Bran. The other thing I would add, though, related to this discussion is couldn't you almost equate the two? Can't can't you say that Jamie losing his hand, in essence, is losing his manhood? Yeah. Or, or the equivalent of his manhood because that is what, as has been pointed out by Melissa and, and, and by you know, Eric and, and, and you, Selena, that's what he's known for. That That's what he takes the most pride in. That's what he's been able to best everybody else at. And so in a way, mm-hmm. you've had these characters reduced in in in, in who they are by having the th- one of the things, if not the thing, that they value the most you know, on their, uh, as part of them taken away, you know, irregardless, you know, not including another person. Like if there are other people out there that mean something, I'm talking about something that is actually physically a part of them. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I hate to poke fun here, but I mean, Jamie talking about his mad skills with the sword, he did lose pretty viciously to Brienne. I thought, um, you know, in their two handed sword battle, uh, on the bridge right before they were both captured. So, I'm going to kind of second guess play devil's advocate here and say, really, was Jamie's thing his sword? Was that was that really what he was known for? Yes. Um, because, you know, he's called for the Kingslayer because he killed the Kingslayer. But that didn't take any skill. He killed him in the back. It took a great deal but, of fortitude Eric, and character. That's not, though. I mean, the point of Jamie that they've, they've, they kind of made this, I think, very, very clear in, in the episode following the one where he lost his hand, that Jamie is the best at what he does not just the kingslayer but the fact that he is a warrior and he wins his battles and he can beat anyone in 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 a fight you know the fact that he is the most skilled swordsman in all of westeros that is who he is and that is what he can do and that is the only thing he can do and if he doesn't have that then he's just the echo of that you know what i mean Mm -hmm. I suppose what I'm trying to do by prodding this in, in, you know, in, um, in conversation is to, to get back to Melissa's question, which dismemberment is worse. What do you think? Uh, somebody else go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still making up my mind. You guys have you guys have read the books. I want to see what you guys think. I I mean, because, because here's the thing. There are several books ahead of where we are in the show. So if you can, again, non-spoilery, but to, to see how these characters deal with their dismemberments, um, you know, are they, are either of them, if they're able to turn it into something positive, if they're able, if, if Jamie um, somehow begins to favor his left hand and becomes just as good or wins a tournament, I don't know this, obviously, it's a few years away, um, but, you know, you're able to see kind of the outcome, and I think that that does have some bearing over this question. Which dismemberment is worse? Because if this dismemberment were to change, say, Theon forever, he goes and becomes a, a shell because he no longer has, you know, any sense of self anymore, which seems a little, you know, bit much. 
because it's his manhood, but he's, he'll still be able to live and, and, and breathe and all that stuff that's actually important. But it's a big deal to him. So, I mean, Jamie, if he's just able to, to get on with it, I would say Theon's dismemberment is worse. Well, I don't think we, we, sh- we, could, we should say anything about what happens to either character later on in the story because that's kind of saying whether or not they even survive right. <laughs> for very long. Um, oh, God, but, poor Theon. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Micah, but I don't... I'm not sure that Theon actually loses this particular body part in the book. No, I don't think he does. And, what? Uh, so that that's why I was uh, kind of shocked by the scene. I know, Eric, on the last episode, or on, actually on Monday's episode, I should say, you were talking about kind of the shock value of this particular scene just in and of itself, the fact that it happened. Um, I think one of the things to keep in mind is a lot of what we learn about having happened to Theon doesn't come until <clears throat> a little bit later on. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, that was my I, spoiler I say noise. My, <laughs> I save myself, myself there. I, I just say a little bit later on. So, and I think that sort of the graphic nature of it, again, it's, it enhance, it's enhanced by the fact that you're seeing it on television. And... In the books, I think because there is so much violence that goes on, you can in a way become desensitized to it or you because you don't necessarily get all the specifics, it, it's not resonating with you as much. Whereas when you're watching it on HBO and you're seeing all these things that have happened to him, you know, first with, with the skin being flayed off of his finger and, and now w- what we believe, I mean, we didn't see it happen we're just assuming that you know he's yeah. had his uh his best friend removed from his body <laughs> well i don't think there's anything that would stop knowing the boy as we do on tv there's nothing that would stop him he brought two other men into the chamber not to mention the girls to fuck with theon but he brought the two men in the chamber i assumed they were um of the medical knowledge and practice to allow you know, to, like, stop the bleeding once the deed was done. I don't think anything under the seven stars or seven suns themselves could possibly um, stop the boy from removing Theon's manhood then right. and there. The fact that they didn't show it, oh, that's nice, that's generous. But if that actually didn't happen in the books and it actually did happen on TV, mm-hmm. I think that's pretty gratuitous. And a little bit, um, you know, on the part of the writers, if I can even say this, um, indulgent. Self-indulgent and quite unnecessary if it, I, if it isn't actually a I actually think that – I mean not to spend too much time on this, but I actually think that Melissa's email really highlights why it was a – I mean you can you can argue. If you don't think it's a, it's, it was a good decision, then you know that's your opinion. But I think that it was a, a an interesting decision because we get that parallel between Jamie and, and Theon. Hmm. No, and and to be honest, I guess, you know, kind of closing up this email, I think it's quite clear that Jamie has had the worst dismemberment. Um, even though, even though without a hand, he can still fend off a bear and mm. save a damsel in distress, which, guys, come on, let's I be know. honest, that's badass. <laughs> even though he can still do it, losing a hand is, is a lot more important in the kind of world in which they live. Right. Um, I mean, this is a world where eunuchs... Uh, are not only 
warriors, you know, the Unsullied, but they can rise to positions in, of, of great power, either in the shadows or out front. And so... Yeah, Varys is a perfect example of that. I mean, Varys is an example. The Unsullied are an example of eunuchs who have succeeded, you know? So I, I really think, you know, Theon, if he can get over his dismemberment, is going to be a lot better off still than um, Jamie. I think the difference with Theon is that there's so much more going on with him than just losing that one thing, you know, that it sort of, mm-hmm. it gets lost in, in a lot of other stuff. Whereas for Jamie, it's like the one isolated, I mean, we, we assume the one isolated thing that he loses, but I do, I do want to say just, you know, for all the guys out there, I'm sure that most people would say that Theon's loss was worse. Mm-hmm. But let's stop talking about dicks and <laughs> move <laughs> well, on. we'll still we'll still be talking about the we did get some other we still we did get some other um emails of course and other messages and comments but uh we can of, of course skip to different subjects regarding that uh episode um but actually speaking of theon still we will continue with theon for a moment um because this uh comment from the winter is coming uh, news post for our episode. Winter's Coming is 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 great, and we've received a, a ton of wonderful feedback um, for every episode, as well as just good discussion that's happening on those forums. Do you ever unhighlight the black text or the black bars? I should uh, say. Why are you calling me out on this, Michael? Why? I'm just wondering. You seem to be very engaged with the Winter's Coming um, comments, and I'm you know, just wondering. You know, when you when you go through, do you take a peek? Do you look ahead? For this episode, I didn't, um, because I, I, I take so the black that means text. For other episodes, and I, other I take, posts you may have. Um, what did I do it for? I think it was whenever I think it's something that's not going to reveal a huge spoiler. Um, like if it's only a sentence or two, and they're talking about somebody in the books that I've never heard of. Oh, this could be. They could be changing up so and so's plotline for so and so's. It doesn't mean anything to me. Um, so I, I, I do try and kind of, um, I stay, I stay away from it. I stayed away from it in this episode as well. Certain times maybe I will, but it's a great feature. You can just hide a spoiler behind blacked out text and that way you can have both, um, spoiler discussion and non-spoiler discussion. Well, now I challenge our listeners that post on winterscoming.net to condense as much spoilers as you can into one (laughs) sentence in the hope that Eric will read. I'm just kidding. Don't. I'm not going to read. That's it. I'm done. Okay. I'm done reading the black text. Um, but anyway, let's get, let's get back to this. Uh, so critical geek on the winter is coming for forums or comments says on the Theon bits, I felt that the women, meaning the women that the boy brought in, didn't seem broken enough. The boy is clearly a psychopath, but for them to act as psychotic as he does, without it showing in the slightest way, seemed off. There's no way he's treated them well enough to do it as enthusiastically as they did. What do you guys think about that? I don't... Because <laughs> for me... So... Well, well, what do you think the implications are? Because for me, too, like what I said on Sunday's episode was that what really made that worse, it wasn't just an ordinary dismemberment. The boy brought in two gorgeous women to yeah. f*** with him and essentially encourage blood flow to that area. Mm-hmm. I mean, Theon could very well bleed to death just because he was aroused when they cut it off. You know, this is a serious issue. And so these women... It was terrible. Did, what did he, you think he just paid them like they were normal whores and they could just get paid to do something like that? They stayed around when, you know, the whole situation got so intense afterwards. So so here's the thing that uh, I think Critical Geek is referring to. Uh, in, in the books, 
this particular individual's treatment of women is very well known and he doesn't treat them particularly well so i believe that that is what he or she is referring to as them not seeming broken and being so willing to do this but you know i can make the argument that maybe this character is telling them that if they don't do these things to theon if they don't act in this particular way their punishment may be far worse. That would uh, be my guess too. That they've ever received. Mm -hmm. And yes, this, this individual is very twisted. We've, we've seen this now for many, many episodes and we probably will see it for at least one more uh, (laughs) based on what was said on, on, on our Monday show. But I, I don't think they've, they have had the need to incorporate that into it just yet. And mm-hmm. well, I hope that answers the question. I mean, it, well, for me too. If you think about it, those women didn't have any noticeable scars. I mean, maybe I have to rewatch. Although I, I probably will skip that scene entirely when I rewatch the episode. But you know, the women didn't weren't missing fingers. They didn't have any whip marks. They certainly didn't have skin flayed off of them. That's not the, way the only that way that does. you know. I mean, it actually is. No. If you're talking about it, if you, yes, if you're talking about a surefire way to to mentally torture someone. Pain also has to do with it. I mean, you're. you're I'm glad you're, you're such fl- an expert. <laughs> I, I mean, flaying someone's skin off them is going to get to their get them make them go crazy a lot more than whatever you could do in a, in a nonverbal way. I strongly believe that food deprivation. They didn't look starved either. They didn't look like they had been mistreated at all. In fact, they were well clothed, well groomed. This is nothing like what the boy is doing to Theon. They oh, you're respect. right. That's definitely something different. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, we'll have to wait and see if it's even brought up again. It's 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 likely that that this was meant to be. I mean, the more sort of nice and and flirty and over the top they are, the more grueling the scene is going to be. And for all we mm. know right now in the show canon, not knowing who this boy is, for all we know, they could be... Well, we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But saying in, within the show right now at this moment, not knowing who the boy is, it could be with wives of people at Winterfell who died because of Theon who have some secret evil agenda. Like, like you know, we won't know until the show tells us. Because as we've yeah, seen in the show, they've made a lot of changes. That's a great point. Yeah, I, I like that. And I think that... You know, again, we, it's it's always the crossover, right, between the books and the TV show, and and not everything is always going to be, hundred percent consistent. I mean, I think we're picking out little things, here and there, and the fact that these women didn't appear as being broken, physically, Eric is more so what you pointed out, but you don't know mentally what kind of state they're in. Um, and I think that's kind of what Selena was trying to get at before. Mm-hmm. It just seems like the boy is more of a physical torturer. Um, well, <laughs> no, I guess that okay. was incorrect. I, I don't you're, think so. I think you're he's... laughing because of how ridiculous I am. I mean, no, the whole no, no, no. Freeing, I'm just saying we freeing, don't know. Freeing Theon and then putting him back. I just think he likes cutting flesh off, and I just didn't see that on the girls. I, so I would completely disagree with you. I think he's just as mentally devious as he is physically devious. If you think about what he, you just brought up the point. Like he he plays games with him, and yeah. and the the end result of those games is physical torture. But everything leading up to it is 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 to make him, you know, mentally unstable, and to you know and. Look at what he did just in in this past episode with getting him all worked up and thinking that he was going to get laid. And 
then all of a sudden the horn blows, he gets hit over the head, and next thing yeah. he knows, uh, we, well, we know what happens. We've said it enough already on this show, but well, yeah, you know, I I would argue that he is just as mentally, you know, uh, torturing Theon as he is physically torturing him. Mm-hmm. And I was just laughing because we spent twenty minutes talking about Theon. <laughs> in my, my yeah. head, I was like, well, what? Well, let's, uh, let's skip to the other then, the big thing that we talked about on Sunday's episode, which which was Danny. <laughs> okay, I'm happy now. Okay, yeah, I've, I figured. We do this to, we do this whole show to please you, Selena, you know that. I know, I do <laughs> um, know. What, what um, could we have possibly said uh, during that episode that would have caused any sort of... Jeez, maybe comment. it has to do with slaves, Micah, or <laughs> taking people from their home, or whether or not we should just leave them and get on a boat to go across the sea. Mm, what were you uh, saying? I, what, Eric, French slaves? Did I hear French, that right? <laughs> French <Yeah>. slaves. <laughs> yes, yes, they were French slaves. I thought um, so. No, they were fringed slaves. <laughs> there you go. Um, but actually, again, on, on the Winter is Coming comments here... Um, User Grog Smash, which I hope is like a Hulk smash. Grog Smash says, wonder if the people on this podcast that are against doing anything to Yunkai also thought the American Civil War shouldn't have happened either. Many people died in Astapor, but how many generations and hundreds of thousands of people, millions, were enslaved and tortured there at Yunkai? Good riddance. Now, remind me, because I was very tired when we recorded this episode. Who was against freeing the slaves? Well, I I was. Um, and then I think, I mean, I couldn't quite word the, 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 the point I wanted to make as well, but Zach came in very majestically and articulated it for me. Basically, he said, and, and so basically to answer your question, Zach and I could have both been, been seen to have that opinion from what I recall, because what Zach was saying is, well, he, this is the people's way of life. And this was made clear in the show that the guy, you know, this is many generations of slavery built into the culture. And to just show up and expect him to free the slaves, you can see why it would be so absurd and ridiculous to him. Um, if that means his death, so be it. But ultimately we felt, or at least I felt, that Danny was, was a little out of her element and kind of going on a tirade that I, I thought maybe she should just should have been focusing on on conquering the east because ultimately she doesn't have you know necessarily the means to care for these slaves she's going over across you know the water we know that that's her end goal so for how often can she continue to to just free every slave she sees so i was i was skeptical i i I cast some sort of negative shadow on it yeah i mean i don't think that there was anybody that was on the show that was saying that we were in favor of the concept of people being enslaved uh, that's ridiculous and you know i i argued though the point that you just brought up eric was that you know is she able to provide for these people once she does in fact free them and you know what kind of stability in life is left for them because they haven't known anything different up until this point those are legitimate questions to ask. It doesn't necessarily mean at the end of the day that they should remain in their current situation, but I think she hasn't really thought the entire thing through. Yeah. And that's part of the issue. Somebody else who 
somebody else on the winners coming uh, post about Monday's episode, and the, their their username is just a random. And uh, what they said was, Danny is turning into Odysseus with all this side stuff. It's a noble virtue, but I don't want to wait 20 years to see if she gets to the Iron <laughs> Throne. <laughs> Another thing, her dragons are still growing and reasonably vulnerable. You have dragons, but what will happen when archers bring one down? Will she be marching on King's Landing with five Dothraki, 50 Unsullied, and no dragons? Ooh. Well, see, that's a, that's first of all a really good uh, point, and I think something that both book and show fans are are wondering because Danny's adventures is all well and good, but ultimately, I think you know, a small part of us, while we enjoy every single person's individual journey, we just kind of wish that they'd all just get in a room together and fight it out. Um, but then the series <laughs> would be over. So, but I think, I mean, I think that. This is the reason that I enjoy Danny's storyline so much, and actually the reason why I love her character is because Danny comes in, she has the best of intentions, but that doesn't, because this is George R. R. Martin, and he is so brilliant and so realistic, someone coming in with the good intentions, that isn't going to magically solve everything. Like Now she's, she's standing here in front of Yunkai, going in with this idea of you know what this is terrible these people are being treated horribly i just freed all these slaves and got myself an army i want to keep doing this because it makes me feel good and it's the right thing to do and i think it absolutely is the right thing to do but that doesn't mean that all of those things that micah said aren't valid it doesn't mean that she wouldn't have to deal with the consequences of freeing all those slaves and leaving them without jobs and money and food and shelter and anything like that and I think that's why I love it all of it because it's so realistic and it's so thought through there are no easy solutions in Thrones and this is no exception mm -hmm. and I think I just want to bring up another point that Grog Smash made as well which is that obviously Danny is is acting is she has such a strong reaction every time she sees someone enslaved the first time was when the Dothraki um invaded the 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 what was it the the homestead little house on yeah, the prairie Can we yeah go there? <laughs> the, the, the sheep <laughs> well, people was that Mary it? exactly yeah. exactly and um and you know she she wanted to save everybody and then you see it even more in astapor and now again in yunkai and grog smash says that it's because danny was essentially a slave she was sold to drogo she was raped on her wedding night because she that was non-consensual um even more so in the show than in the book and so she is essentially an ex-slave that now has the power to possibly break the back of slavery in this region of the world and i think that's a very very valid point and i think you know that's that's going to be interesting yeah. to see how that plays out it's it's definitely a valid point and and I don't again like I don't want anybody to sit here thinking that we're we're championing <laughs> Game of Thrones endorses slavery, slavery. <laughs> I, I think the thing is that we try and do and you know it's it's more so able to be done when we're actually going chapter by chapter through the books is you know when you, when you're looking at some piece of literature like this you try and and kind of look at the the entire picture and not just take one specific side and and follow one specific path you know you try and rationale or you try and, and and you know rationalize a lot of different areas and in, in, in to come to a conclusion and i think that for her 
the, the great point that, that was brought up earlier by uh, just a random, I think is sort of, there's some middle ground between between her freeing these people and, and people being behind her 100% for doing that, but also this 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 saving people thing that we talked about you know, on, the, on the last episode where you wonder when is it going to have a payoff. I, th- I think that's the big thing that people are waiting for is, okay, you, you've gone from Karth to Astapar to Yunkai, and, and you're freeing all of these people. Are you going to keep going? Like, are you, Is it just going to be, you know, why not take what you have now, go back, conquer the Westeros, and then you're in a position to free everybody. Every slave, Should everywhere. You win? Should you win? Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know. I, I, I just – I know sometimes when you make arguments for the sake of making arguments, they don't always come across the way that, that you intend them to, and sometimes they can – have the results of getting the comments uh, that we did. Well, while we're still talking about Danny, there's a, there's another comment, and I just want to reference um, a conversation that happened on the Winter is Coming uh, comments again for the post of Monday's episode. Uh, there's an entire conversation between a person called Mrs. D and another user called Family Duty Hodor. This person is which is an is awesome name. Yeah, clearly after our our hearts. Um, but one of the comments that Family Duty Hodor uh, said, I I think outside of that conversation in particular, was that quote Game of Thrones is about how noble intentions often result in death and destruction. Take Sir Barristan for example. He is supposedly honorable and good, but he wouldn't have killed the Mad King to save King's Landing because it's not honorable. And so he would have stayed his hand as peasants burned. Meanwhile, Danny in Slaver's Bay is trying to free the slaves, but cities built upon slavery are by default economically, politically, and culturally tied to slavery. Imagine if in the real world someone had conquered Rome and abolished slavery. Things would have gone crazy. Rome wasn't built in a day, and it certainly couldn't have been undone in a day. Likewise, Danny, who has her heart in the right place, has a lot to learn. Absolutely. That's a great that's a great point. Basically what she said. Sum up everything well, we've just been saying. Yeah, I mean I think what was it, Miss D? Um no, that was uh duty family family duty Hodor. Okay. Family duty Hodor. Like Yeah, I mean, just really just made everything that we just said. She took it. Look like dog poo. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, no. Like like horse poo. That's not the point. But on the throne room floor, exactly. No, she. I I thought that that point just really kind of drove home drove home everything that you know we had just been talking about, and and it was put much more succinct, I think than what I was trying to say earlier. So, mm. Well, uh, yeah, no, and, and we thank you guys for, you know, allowing us to sort of converse and make our way through these comments. You know, that's what the whole mailbag episode is for. Um, you know, these Friday episodes are, are just so we can kind of work some of this stuff out. And there was a reference to the Mad King uh, just a moment ago, and here's another comment by Womp Womp. 
uh, on the winter is coming. This also references the Mad King, so I thought it was important. Um, I was tickled as I watched the scene regarding or Joffrey and, and Tywin in the throne room intimates that Tywin's designs cannot comfortably accommodate a functional king. Tywin is playing the same role as he did in the Mad King's court, which is the effective ruler, while the deranged kings explore their sick hobbies. So this is uh, involving a little backstory, isn't it, that Tywin was the Hand of the King when the Mad King was king? Is that accurate? Mm-hmm. Okay. I believe so. So again, Tywin, we see, has just this a- excellent knowledge of what really needs to be done to run a kingdom. Um, and it may have been wrong to for him to assume that Joffrey wasn't interested, um, but there it is. You know That's why the meetings were held without Joffrey, because Tywin knew what needed to be done and was capable of doing it himself. I just think it's above Joffrey, and I don't think, you know, going back to um, the whole idea that he's made really poor decisions up until this point when he's had the opportunity to do so. There's no there's no line of trust there for Tywin, and he thinks that, honestly, Joffrey is this twisted little shit. Well, it shouldn't be a, a matter like a an issue of trust because Joffrey is the king, right? Joffrey, but but even then, you know, as I make that point, he was the one complaining about not wanting to climb the stairs to the, to the small council meeting. So he is a little shit. Um, yeah, but. Just just the fact that Joffrey had to ask, and I really want to know if we can talk about it. I mean, we can certainly continue a discussion on the episode itself. Like, why, who told Joffrey about the Targaryen girl and her dragons, um, by the way? Because he asked that independently of Tywin, and Tywin didn't know why he knew, or he said, who told you this? You know, because it raised the question and it raised the issue that, that Joffrey knows there's stuff going on that he's being left out of. Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe it was Baelish. Maybe it was Varys. Maybe it was his mom. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know it's, I, I just think that Joffrey is not fit to rule, and Tywin knows this. He well, sent Tyrion back for this exact reason last season. But right now, though... I'm still not sure because last I sort of checked in with the power standing of King's Landing, Cersei was still the queen regent and Joffrey was the king, but because he's underage, he technically doesn't make the decisions. But then he started chopping people's heads off and stomping his feet and getting his way. And then now I'm not sure to what extent he actually has power and to what extent it's the adults around him that have power. Because I know that what Tywin's trying to do is trying to make him into his little puppet that he can manipulate mm. and control so everything Joffrey says is literally like he is Tywin's mouthpiece but that would indicate that Joffrey technically has full control of the realm which I didn't think that he did that's a good question I don't know either it seems like a big gray area uh, on the show at the moment yeah um, because we, we see Joffrey essentially rejecting his mother but can he do that if she's Queen Regent and he's still unable to rule because of his age? Well, that's what I thought, but then maybe not. Maybe that's changed. Hmm. Well, he's grown a head taller. He can he can rule now. Oh, it's it's yeah. once you reach a certain height, there's a little uh, what is it? A red line on the throne on the Iron <laughs> Throne, and once you once wow. you reach that height, you you must be this tall to rule the mm-hmm. Seven Kingdoms. 
And uh, Jack Gleason, bless his uh, heart, has, has has grown a little bit in the last eight months since this show ended, uh, season two. And and now, of course, he, he, he made the hype, so he can ride the ride. Yeah, so uh, as Eric said, thanks for all of your comments that you continue to provide on the winneriscoming.net posts. Uh, we do read through them, as is evidenced uh by our discussion here today, as well as Eric occasionally uh, looking behind that black blob of... Uh, oh, God, I never should have admitted to doing that. Yes. So, we knew uh, it. <laughs> con- continue to send your spoilers to Eric. Yes. Uh, he will uh, unbegrudgingly read them. I'm um, done. I'm done with so, it. Nah. So Winter is Coming is just one of the ways that you guys can let us know your thoughts, your feedback spoil Eric. Uh, the other way you can do that is by uh, tweeting at us uh, at Game of Owns on Twitter and uh, several of you have uh, tweeted in uh, since Sunday night's episode and uh, one here from Britt Anderson who says, listening to Game of Owns on my lunch break at work makes all the difference in my day. Best way to get away for a few minutes. Oh, well cool. A few minutes. <laughs> Our last episode was like minutes. eighty minutes. <laughs> exactly. So the, that's one hell of a lunch break. But that's eighty uh, different lunch breaks. I wonder if you can really break down our show over that many lunch breaks. That'd be cool. Britt, if you have any problems with your boss for taking such a uh, lengthy lunch break, you just send them to us. We'll tell. We'll take care of them. Yeah, Winter Boo will uh, have his say. Yes. Yes, he will. Um, also got another tweet here from Marley who says, listening to Game of Owns, um, Micah, spoilers much? LOL? What, what, um, what happened? What, what, Micah, you, what happened is you forgot to put it behind the black uh, text, Micah. Oh, that's, oh. Just, that's what happened. Yeah, we're but still trying to work out how to put that into the audio, but we should yeah. have, uh, <laughs> we should have we music. We have sensors, don't we? Um, yeah, but a bunch of boop, is, you might as well cut it all out, right? This this was from only about uh, a couple of hours ago. So what what on Monday's episode was spoilerish? Well, I think you must have spoiled somebody, uh, you know, five hours ago on Twitter if you tweeted something. Maybe. Like maybe it was about what you had for lunch and there were spoilers in it. Did you have spoilers <laughs> for lunch, Micah? No, I did not. <laughs> well, then I don't know. It's anybody's guess. It is. Maybe I'll have to juggle my brain to figure out. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Okay. <laughs> One more tweet here from Oysen Doyle. Hope I said that right. Uh, at Game of Owns, I know I'm late, but my own from uh, last uh, Sunday's episode is the wildling teaching Jon Snow how to have sex properly. Hey, I think he knew that. No, <laughs> that was funny, actually. I forgot about that scene. Nothing says... That was Tormund, right? It was Tormund, yeah. He's awesome. I wish there was more of him. <laughs> um. Well, I don't know. I just I just had a terrible thought. I was like, well, if he gets cut in half and comes back to life, there will be two of him. There will be more of him. <laughs> um, never mind. But uh, speaking of the North, though, there was a scene I thought that we did touch on, but we kind of only did at the beginning of Monday's episode... Sunday's episode, Monday's, you know, that, that thing we did earlier in the week, which was the Asha scene, um, right? Asha and Jojen and Mira Reed. How did we not talk about the Reeds Osha. on Monday's episode? 
Um, I don't Serena, know. That was, a was question too much directed going to on. I, did, yeah. I was too busy saying OSHA so we wouldn't get emails. Um, um, I don't know. I was too distracted by Jamie being all heroic. I don't look at me. I'm busy. <laughs> we talked... We talked about a little bit uh, because OSHA has a very similar line. I think it's the exact words that um, John and Egrit speak to each other. Yeah, I think I just didn't. I just didn't think about it because I didn't think that OSHA's backstory was particularly compelling. Like I enjoy Natalie Tenna, and I'm glad that she's getting stuff to do, but. I mean, it was. It felt kind of superfluous. Like they felt like there was so much to discuss in this episode that that kind of was one of the things that got skipped over a bit. And also, so are you calling really... this like the Catlin reveal of the other episode? <laughs> well, I like or the Catlin like reveal extra? actually. So, oh, okay. but um, but yeah, no, this would be my Catlin reveal, I guess. But I think the thing, the thing about the brand scenes at the moment is that they are so short and they give us very, very little. Yeah. Like in this episode, we had like, what's his face? Jojen going, oh, you know, we're not going to Castle Black. <laughs> that was it. Uh, what are we going to no, say No, there about was that? more. There was so much more about that scene. Let me tell you, Selena and okay, Micah, how much more there was to that scene. First of all, Osha, right? It's Osha. Stood up to Jojen for filling Bran's head with all that nonsense. She's just like, I'm older than you guys, and let me tell you that that's all bull, okay? I'm about to tell you a ghost story that will make you wet your pants. And when she was done with that ghost story, they were all wetting their pants. But like, I didn't understand controlled... what that had to do with Jojen's dreams. What I took away from from that particular scene is that Osha doesn't want to go beyond the wall. Right. And I think that she's had experiences there that are the reason why she came south. And she doesn't want to do anything that is going to jeopardize her safety, Bran's safety, Rickon's safety. The list goes on. Mm-hmm. Even Hodor. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and I think that what she sees in the reeds are, are – people that are planting is particularly in Jojen's case these ideas in Bran's head and because really Jojen is the first person that has been able to make sense of what Bran is going through he's been able to sympathize with him in a way that nobody else has and And he's given him a purpose too and oh my god tying it back into Melissa's email Bran's legs were his livelihood, and he lost them. Oh my god. There's a theme. We totally missed it. And uh, Ned lost his head. Well, I mean, that's what happens. Well, yeah. (laughs) Well, what do you mean that's what happens? Yeah. Well, no, but if you look at it, what happens in these books is either these characters go through so much strife, and it either results in their ultimate death or it results in them being maimed in some way that is so difficult for them to continue to sustain beyond what has been taken away from them. Mm-hmm. Well, you say it like that, and then these books seem more normal. Like it's just a, an average series about strife, you know, because everybody in the real world faces hardship, right? I mean, it's it's assumed that there are great hardships in, in non-fantasy environments. But... You know, what you're saying makes sense. Like, these characters are facing essentially their own worst enemy. Or they're they're, they're, they're facing their worst nightmares. Well, 
Yeah, and what they're facing is brutal. What they're facing is real. Everything is stripped away. There's there's no pretense. What you know, and and that's what makes I think the series so compelling is that and that you know the author wasn't afraid to kill off his biggest character in the first book of the series, and that laid the groundwork for what is to come. Mm-hmm. Wow, because it's realistic. It's it's not. There's no. I mean, there might be prophecies and there might be magic, but there's not any convenience. Game of Thrones, which I don't think a lot of other book series, as much as we might love them, can claim. I think that there mm-hmm. is convenience for the sake of neatly tying up storylines in most works of fiction, especially uh, sci-fi and fantasy fiction. But this is almost, I mean, this is a real book with real people, except it's it's made up. <laughs> it's more jarring than the. It's more jarring than Lost, I think, in that way. Absolutely! <laughs> oh hell loose yeah! Loose ends are not tied up. Yeah, and it's not neat, and it's not. Yeah, fixed, I mean, but people it is, it is conveniently happening. get a flashback episode before they die. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's just. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. <laughs> but I think yeah. you know it's funny because I, I just while you were you were, you were talking, Micah, I just realized that I think another reason that that scene with Osha might have come in there is because it might potentially set some things back on track the way that they are supposed to be based on book canon with that. Uh, I hope you, I hope you mean more wildlings or or more, more whites are coming. Sorry. That just came to me. I'm done. And Selena sings. Don't you (laughs) sing on every Friday episode? That's a thing. Oh, that should be a thing. That's, that is a thing now. Okay. I, I believe it's already been said but selena yes selena sings you can sing it all now selena only on sings. fridays um but yes i'm expecting to see the wild or jesus i'm expecting to see the whites soon um hopefully you know i i hate to think that they've been relegated to just the finale and the premiere episodes because i think they're one of the greatest threats and this scene from osha basically shows that she really believes that they're the greatest threats. Like, essentially, the reason she has a problem with Jojen Reed feeding all these ideas to Bran is because she she thinks he's going to become reckless and go off north of the Wall. Currently, the Wall is is keeping the, the Whites and the White Walkers at bay, currently. So I'm sure she doesn't want and, – and she's grown to care for Bran – she doesn't want him putting himself in danger, and that's why she says Castle Black's the furthest we'll go, even though she could potentially successfully navigate them north of the wall. She's not going there. So you do, know, you, think she, that, do yeah. you think that she would follow Bran if Bran decided to go beyond the wall? Do you think she would follow him or refuse to go? Well, this is the point of the story, I think, is she, she wants to scare them into not going north of the wall. And I think it has to do with what you said. You know, she she came north, south of the wall for this reason to escape from what was north of the wall, and she wants to make it as clear as possible to them, to these kids, that such strange and scary things are happening. Like her husband, of however many years, you know, goes missing, comes back a little later than expected, but it's not him. You know, he he had all the knowledge, all the memories of his former self, but just was a little tad more zombie-like, and that's frightening. That's that's terrifying. But and I think answer, it's to protect them. That didn't answer my question. Well, if she if they they won't go north of the wall, like it not she will physically 
restrain the crippled boy. <laughs> I see it now. Before. Like she's hanging on Hodor's back like, no. And he's like, Hodor. Yeah. <laughs> I think between Osha and Hodor, they can prevent Bran and these punk ass little Reed kids from going north of the wall. And again, you know, from what Micah said, these scenes that feature the Reeds are so short, just mercilessly short and uneventful for the most part. But, um, you know, it's not really shown why they would want to go north of the wall, how Bran's insight could possibly mean. Like, it, I, I don't feel like there's a big clue or a big mystery dealing with Bran's destiny that needs to be visited somehow north of the wall is where the key to all of it lies, although we are seeing quite a bit of magic coming from those parts, you know, as with the east. But I, I just don't know why they'd want to go north. I don't know why everybody wants to go north. It's warmer down south. Why aren't there people trekking to King's Landing more often? So that's my thing. Well, it wouldn't be a story otherwise, <laughs> right? I mean, that's that's the easy answer to give, I think. Mm. But uh, I, I think Selena raises a good point. Is Eventually, one would think they're going to reach the wall. And as we know, Jon Snow is, is not there. So what eventually happens when um, you you have what? No, I was just going to say, I mean, I think it's going to be really interesting to see, obviously. I have a feeling that Bran's story might come into play in the season finale a bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And, and uh, the scenes, I wouldn't say they're... I mean, they're uneventful in the sense there's not a lot of action going on, right? I mean, but yeah. I think there's a lot to be taken from the interaction that takes place between the Reeds and Bran and Osha. Because I think ultimately, and Eric, you made this point earlier, they're, they're kids. And you know she's been tasked with this responsibility of making – and I think she's come to care for them too. I think that's part of it. Yeah. She, she's supposed to get them to – Jon Snow. She's supposed to get them to safety, and she doesn't want to do anything that's going to legitimately jeopardize their safety. But and and taking them north of the wall certainly would do that. She's their protector now, indeed. But uh, if you would like to tweet us, you can do so. Just like the three that we read on today's show by typing 140 characters or less at Game of Owns. Game of Owns on Twitter. And that is the same as our Facebook account. We occasionally, I know Micah, you occasionally post things there as well. Facebook.com funny slash, shit. funny shit. Facebook.com slash Game of Owns. And as you've also heard on this wonderful mailbag episode, as we call it, the Raven um, episode, you can email us. And that email address, Selena is contact at gameofphones.com. Right? (laughs) Yes. I got it. We hope you've enjoyed this little shorter... Nice work there, Selena. Thank you. Shorter Friday episode, mailbag episode. Um, I know I put you on the spot there. (laughs) So um, without further ado, I think, is that that everything? Is that all we got? Well, we we want to remind our listeners that they can, of course, uh, head on over to iTunes and give us a... Nice rate and review uh, because, let's face it, there's no better way for other people to find out about this podcast than by saying some 
kind words about it. You know, there's other Game of Thrones fans out there in this world of ours, and uh, <laughs> they might be looking for a little bit something extra in addition to the books or the television show. Perhaps they want to listen to some some people discuss. Perhaps they want to be part of the discussion. And uh, this is a great way to do that, letting other people know about our show. In the month of May, as we've said, nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Micah, I feel like we need a very, very good threat. Not to, you know, I'm willing to wait for it. Mm-hmm. So why don't you just come up with a really good threat? Right now? Well, it seems as if uh, some people out there thought that they would be funny because I, I don't see a, a, a complete list of five stars as I look here. Uh, oh no! iTunes, to be honest, so I'm a little bit disappointed, um, and uh, that's that's never a good thing. But it is Friday, so um, th- I'm going to have to use the weekend to come up with um, a little bit of an incentive for people to give it five stars. Well, there. But, I think yeah. So I think maybe Micah, you need to get together with Boy, and you need to have a serious talk. <laughs> Well, if if you do remember, um, wasn't it Cat's threat? I thought was related to him, but maybe it was actually related to Joffrey. No, it was the horse. It was a uh, what's his oh, face? Oh, it was and related to uh, Pod- Podrick. Podrick. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Maybe maybe we'll have to uh, you know come up with something. That's I think a little Boy bit more... is our new iTunes expert. If if I was going to be completely honest yeah. with you. So. That would get uh, but there were there were some nice reviews here. One from Steiner one zero three one says this is the best GOT podcast out there. You won't be disappointed. Dub down says this is probably the first quality Game of Thrones podcast to post every week. Good discussion, and I love Selena's accent and her perspective. <laughs> Good balance and worth listening to. Uh, there Luke, we go. There we Luke, go. If you if here here's a here's a threat. If you do not give us five stars on iTunes, Selena will change her accent and where she comes from and her points. Oh, no. Won't you, Selena? Oh, no. I would never do that. <laughs> I'd speak like this for a whole show. Don't do it. You don't want uh, that. My ears are bleeding already. All right. <laughs> Luke Warmhands just says, I enjoy it. So thank you, Luke. Uh, Kimber Blueheart says, with the title Crazy Party, you all do a great job. I look forward to your podcast as much as I look forward to the show. Keep up the great work. I hope you have one big crazy party at the end of the season. Oh, yes. Uh-oh. I'll be wearing black for all of my fallen comrades. And, Are you uh, taking one the black? More. Oh, yeah, taking the black. One more, finally. Just Discovered, really enjoying, from Mike Rock. Says, I just discovered the podcast. I've caught up with the back episodes. I enjoy the chemistry the hosts have, and they are knowledgeable without spoiling. So take that. Hold on. Marley. (laughs) (laughs) That was the most promising setup for the the worst (laughs) unsatisfying payoff. Who's Marley? She was the one who said spoilers much um, on Twitter earlier uh, in the episode. Um, actually, I'm, I'm actually going to do this one more. I know I said that was the last one. This one is from Miss Us Kitty. It says, it's not the threats. I'm rating five for Micah's Sam voice. Best thing on the show. Aw. 
of course, it's only occasionally on our show. And, That's right, and, only and, occasionally. And Sam would never Sam think... busy, I mean, yeah, what do you he's want? he's got a baby now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for tuning in. Remember that we have another episode coming out on Monday, which will be uh, our review of the next episode in the Game of Thrones uh, epic it's season It's episode three eight, guys. It is. Only episode eight. Three episodes left. Oh, my God. What's the title? I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that. That's not the title. Hold on. Yeah, Theon's sister saves him, and and she's like, did they really cut off your... Second sons. Sons as in... uh, As in, oh, son sons. Not sunshines. Second sons. Mm -hmm. Sons. Mm. <laughs> Which means that we are just one episode away from the penultimate episode yes. of the season. And Which means knowing, knowing it will be the biggest know. episode of the season. Yes, knowing what we know of the structure of Game of Thrones. Usually, I dare episode say nine it is will the big be one. The biggest episode of the series since Baylor. Since Baylor, so even bigger than Blackwater. Oh, yeah. Yes. Wow. I'm so excited. So chew on that. Have a great weekend. I'm Michael Tannenbaum. See you guys Monday. I'm Selena Orkin. And I'm Eric Skoll. Talk to you later. Bye.